0: Our scripture reading for today comes from 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. You can follow along with me on the screens next to me. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach also others also. So ends the reading God's word. Those that are three years old to kindergarten are now dismissed to children's church. Well, what a joy to be here this morning. And uh, again, as, as you heard in, in the prayer there, that uh, I'm pastor at Chisholm Baptist Church. I'm a pastor of evangelism and uh, outreach. And uh, also, you could probably add to that mission, discipleship, counseling, and many other things. And, uh, but it's all a joy. And um, as we are speaking about the gospel, the gospel itself means good news. And, and sometimes uh, I think we forget about that, that the gospel is good news. And we need to continue to share the greatest news in the world. And uh, I like, well, on your sign, and I see in your, uh, your, your bulletin, your mission, talks a lot about hope. And uh, we need to continue to help the world around us who's wounded uh, to know about the hope of Jesus, right? And uh, so uh, I've been up as, uh, as pastor um, in Chisholm Baptist for a little over 12 years now. So it's been, been a while, and uh, my wife and I came from the Twin Cities area in Lake Elmo, uh, we've planned, we've helped to plant about three churches and uh, before coming up there. So that's always that's all been a very good experience for us. Uh, my wife and I have been married for almost uh, 36 years now, and we, it, it's been an absolute joy. I, I, I couldn't do ministry without my wife. she's amazing. And uh, the part of our ministry has been hospitality. And uh, so in our home, we actually started uh, together in a home with a man that had MS. He was needing someone to take care of him and the home around there in exchange for uh, rent. So that was, you know, it was a win-win there, and uh, we were able to pay off some school loans and things like that and, and get to know him as well, and uh, just God bless during that time, and And we really wanted our marriage to be open to the world, to be open to people uh, to come in our home. And so in these 36 years, we probably have had, um, we started counting, we we sort of lost track, was probably, is 50 plus people that have been in our home uh, for more than three weeks to, you know, a couple years at least, I would say. And uh, part of our, our goal has been to disciple and help them understand Jesus or be an encouragement or respite, whatever whatever they need. And, and at the, this current time, we, we have a family from Argentina uh, that's staying with us for six weeks. And um, they are our glo- global partners that will be moving off into the Middle East again. And uh, so we're excited for them and all that God is doing there uh, in the Middle East with them. So praise be to God. For all he's done now, my um, connection with Brent Nelson. Uh, we, Pastor Brent, he came to our Chisholm Baptist adult retreat at Trout Lake Camp, and he was speaking. Um, I and I won't forget it, it was about uh, Ruth. He did probably one of the best expositions on the book of Ruth I've heard. And so, I'm telling you today, this is Brent is a hard. Hard act to follow, I mean he is incredible in the Word of God, and you are incredibly blessed to have him i 'm telling you he's a he's a wonderful man uh, there 's another group of pastors that get together uh, once a month' it's called common slaves and i've i've been to that group and i 've seen brent often there so so it's uh, it's a good relationship and i 'm so glad for him so uh, you 've um, Heard the word there, and I will refer to it more. Um, but uh, just to begin, if if I were to offer you one million dollars, like right now, and I were to give you or I were to give you a penny, and you could double that penny every day for a month and save it each day. So, a penny becomes two, and then two becomes four, and four becomes eight, and so forth. And you do the rest of the math from there, okay? But uh, which would you take? If you could t- take the offer of a million right at the beginning of the month, it seems to be a pretty safe deal. But if you take the penny and it was doubled every day, by day 25, you would have $167,000. Not too bad. By day 27, you would have $668,000. Better yet. But by day 31, and 7 of our 10 months, or 12 months, or 31 days there, so you would jump to $10.7 million. And now you would be $9.7 million. richer than the one who took the $1 million at the beginning of the month. And this is the power of multiplication. In the investment world, they would say compound interest. But same idea. So we're going to talk about spiritual multiplication this morning. And we see that uh, early in the church, the church had exploded all throughout Asia Minor in about 60 years. And what they were doing... What were they doing that made such an impact in the world uh, that was lost as people are today? They had no big church programs, no internet, no radio, no TV, no printing press. How did this happen? I mean, they had the basics of the gospel message delivered to them. The scriptures and oral teaching uh, passed down. They had some letters of Paul and and other letters of some disciples that were read and passed around to their churches. And the message of Jesus and the gospel had spread through people who gave their whole lives to Jesus. Now many of you uh, sitting here over 2,000 years later are following Jesus. Praise be to God. And what is this spirit empowered movement that changed so many lives and why are you here listening today to me even speak um, I have one simple illustration that I, I hope will help us in this but it's my own story and that is uh, my my uh, grandmother and gra- grandfather they lived in South Dakota on a farm. They just moved into this area, Big Spring, South Dakota. And probably you probably don't even know where that <laughs> that is. But um, you know they they were not believers. And uh, but there was a Baptist church in, uh, nearby, and and you know they had they had some hits against them. They they did some dancing. Uh, they smoked, they played cards, and uh, you know, this just wasn't the type of family that you would you would enter at that time. You just wouldn't do that. So, but there's a lady from the church that was just down the road, and uh, she, you know she was, she really felt that, you know what, we need to speak to these people. They need Jesus like everybody. And so she walks across the street. And uh, down the road, and she comes to their, their house and says, you know, I was just wondering if you would like to come to Big Springs Baptist Church. And uh, while well, they thought about it, my grandmother, my mother, said, well, okay, I guess we can try that. And so they, they were close enough to walk, so they walk about a few miles down the road, and they go to church on the Sunday. Well, they loved it there. They loved the people. They were just so warm and welcoming, and they hadn't seen this before. And so they started coming regularly, and my grandmother and my mother became believers in Jesus. My grandpa, Merton, his name is Merton. You don't hear that name too often anymore. Merton and Opal. Merton, he says, no, I don't want anything to do with that Christian stuff. And so he he kept pushing that off. But one day, uh, the pastor of that church came and made a visit, because they had been visiting for a while, except for my grandfather. And uh, he started to tell him the gospel. And pretty soon, he was asking Merton, what prevents you from giving your life to Jesus Christ? He said nothing. And that day, he gave his life to Christ. And I remember many years later, this same pastor, I saw, I said, oh, wow, you're the, you're the man that led my grandfather to the Lord. He says, yes. And you know, the funny story about that is, your Grandpa Burton was my easiest convert of my life. <laughs> and it, it was just amazing. But, he, but both of my, my grandparents and my, my mother and so forth, they... They began to go to church and they were so faithful in going and, and learning about the Lord and being discipled in Him. And um, later on, my mother, um, she had a blind date with my dad. And she really kind of liked him, but you know what? He wasn't a believer. So she told him right out, you know what? I can't be dating a non believer. And so he, he thought, wow, that's, that's, that must be pretty serious for her. And uh, not long after, there was a gospel, uh, a whole gospel week, you know, kind of they, they would have these days. And so he went to one of the meetings, and he heard the, the gospel being preached, and he came forward, and he gave his life to Jesus. And uh, soon my parents, they, well, they get together, and they had three children, and I'm one of them. My, uh, my sister is only 13 months older than me. She had 10 children. My oldest sister had four. And now you expand this out. It's amazing. I mean, the, uh, the number of children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren now that serve and love Jesus are immense. And I go back to one thing this woman who walked across the street and said, hey, would you like to come to church this Sunday? That's so hard, right? And sometimes we get so afraid just to talk to people about Jesus. It doesn't have to be that hard, does it? Because we have a broken world. And think about the multiplication effort of that one who, who took the brave step, I would say. So in our text today, in Timothy 2, or Second Timothy 2, 1 and 2, um, again, you therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that in, is in Christ Jesus. Well, that first part, you know, we are empowered by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. What, what a joy. When we give our lives to Christ and he regenerates us, guess who's doing that work? That's the Holy Spirit who does empower us to give us the power of joy to reach the nations, to reach those around us, both locally and globally, to the nations. And so we need the, the strength of the grace in Christ. Now in verse 14 um, of chapter 1, just a few verses back, uh, you know, Paul says, guard the good deposit through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. So that's the Spirit who lives in us. And there's another place in in Scripture that says, for the Holy Spirit is our deposit, guaranteeing our salvation to come. What a wonderful gift that we have. The Holy Spirit who dwells within us, and Paul he he calls Timothy his son. This is an affectionate term to say you know he he's a spiritual father to Timothy, and and so he he loves him. Now, um, when when you look at a little bit of the history of uh, Timothy, uh, it's interesting because. Um, when we look at, first of all, we need grace, right? It's the Holy Spirit, it's grace. We need the fellowship of believers who, who come within our lives. And secondly, we multiply through spiritual generations of disciples, which I began to discuss. Um. So, you know, when we think about a time when Jesus began to call his first disciples, some fishermen... He said to them, Come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men, fishers of people. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. Well, in in Luke's uh, gospel, uh, he says this, and this is after the time that They hadn't caught any fish all night. And he says, like, okay, take your, your nets and throw them on the other side of the boat. And they're like... You know, like, we haven't caught anything all night. What are you talking about? Go ahead and do that. So they obey, and they they put their nets on the other side of the boat, and pretty soon their nets are, like, tearing, right, with northern and walleye and bass and crappies. I mean, they knew there was something to this guy, right? And, uh, you know... Jesus called them right initially and they're saying, he said, follow me. And guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to make you fishers of people. Not You won't even see this miracle. The miracle is people being transformed by the gospel and multiplying. That is the great, great thing. So um, when, when we look at Uh, thirdly, we multiply disciples by our lives. Now, when you see in here where it says, what you have heard from me and the presence of many witnesses, commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Now, the idea of hearing here, it's the the Greek word, akouo, Um, and think of this as a little broader term because What Paul's really saying is what you have learned from me, things that you've heard me say and the things you've seen me do, and now confirmed by others, now listen up what I'm about to say, okay? And so the question is, what did Timothy see and learn and hear from Paul? Now, their first meetup, Paul and Timothy... In the in Acts chapter sixteen, that's that's when Paul meets Timothy, and he had heard about him. And just before this, uh, I think in chapter fifteen, Paul he there's there's a big riot that happens, right? And he gets, uh, the Jews come, they they stone him, they leave him, left for dead. I mean, they thought he was gonna, he was dead. We walk away, and here's his disciples come around him. And they're like and looking and boy. Paul, you know, I don't know if he's dead or alive, and he, he like kind of just comes out of it. I mean, he 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 gets up and he goes back into the same city, and again, now I don't know what's up with that. I mean, if he, if he just uh, like was uh, super at, you know all his bruises started going away, and this is, this is great. No, 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 no problem. I just got thrown. I feel well. Um, or it's some kind of miracle, which I think it probably was. So he just, he gets up, and he has the same focus, though, right? He goes back into the city to tell people the great news of Jesus. And so this is just after this, and he knows about Timothy. He had been raised by his mother, Eunice, and and she's pouring into him. His father was Greek. His mother uh, was Jewish. And, uh, you know, at that time, you kind of follow the the Jewish Jewish line. And so he says, you know, I've heard about him. I want him to come. So this is his second missionary journey, and so he brings Timothy on to follow him wherever he's going to go. Well, you know, this is quite a journey. I mean, this this is uh, a real deal because he saw everything. I mean, um, he was persecuted, Paul was, in so many ways. He would... Go to stadiums that were that were packed, and to Athens and to other places, and he could see both the acceptance of the gospel and the rejection of the gospel. He saw it all, and uh, but you can just see that Timothy was continually to dis- discipling. I mean, you can see Paul continually discipling Timothy all along the way, and he even saw him in jail. There, there, there's several. You know, we we have. Like Philippians, for for instance, you know, this is from Paul, Timothy, so forth. And this is one of his prison epistles, his prison letters, right, to the Philippians. And so he's in jail. Now, you know, scholars don't know quite if if Timothy was also in jail with Paul at this time. But he saw he was there, and he was continuing to be faithful to the gospel through the entire time. And Timothy, or Paul continues to entrust Timothy with with many things, and so it is action-packed, and um, what he heard entails several things. So if we go into Second Timothy chapter 3, verses 10 and 11, if you're there and you're close, well, it's up there, too, on the screen, but it says, But you have followed my teaching, uh, conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, okay? And he says, uh, the pers- along with the persecutions and sufferings that came to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. That's the place where he met Timothy, Lystra. And what persecutions I endured, and yet the Lord rescued me from them all. So if you think about these things he's talking about, teaching, Paul encourages Timothy to stay strong in sound teaching by his example. He's seeing that all along. By conduct, that's a way of life. This is how we disciple in our way of life. What do people see as you are walking your way of life? Are they understanding you as a disciple of Jesus? Do they know that you follow Christ? I love what Paul says in Acts chapter 20, 24. It's one of my favorites. He says, But I consider my life of no value to myself, but my purpose to finish my course in the ministry I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of God's grace. And his purpose, Philippians 1.21, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. There's nothing greater than him alone. Patience. Paul writes from his house arrest in Rome to Timothy how he longs to see him. Paul writes four other letters from prison and he learned great Patience even when these guys are out there trying to disdain his own name, he remained true to the gospel. Love. Again, you know, he says, he talks about my son or my child, about Timothy. And there was many others that he had such love and grace toward in all of the churches, right? And he, he loved Timothy like a son, and when we see endurance and persecution and suffering, you know, this is part of the walk of of Christ. We walk in his steps, the Bible says. Jesus promised that we were gonna we're gonna be persecuted. Isn't that great? <laughs> we don't think so, do we? That doesn't sound so fun. And yet, you know, every time that we must endure, or when we need to to uh if, if someone is mocking us or, or, or whatever, we, we have the opportunity to dig deeper and understand, okay, where are you coming from? Why are you doing that? There's a purpose, and we stay strong in the gospel of Christ. Now, I, some years back, I was in uh, Central Asia for a consultation of many uh, people that came from from that part of the world, all the Stan countries. And I'm telling you, these people are persecuted very, very, very strongly. And, um, and there's this, especially a people, uh, the Uzbek people, Uzbekistan. And I remember these brothers and sisters in Christ, how much they suffered. And um, my wife and I had a college and career ministry at the time. We get together weekly and talk about, you know, what does it look like to be a disciple of Christ and walk in Him and go through the scriptures. And, and while I was there, I, I met this man, and literally he had scars all over his, his uh, arms and back. And it was because he was a follower of Jesus. And, uh, you know, when they get caught with like even pamphlets or whatever in their homes, uh, anything about the Bible, their homes are split apart. They'll, the, the man will go to jail. They'll, they'll be relegated to sweep the streets, you know, for the rest of their life. But guess what the joy, the depth of joy that I, that I heard from this man because of the gospel was so immense. And I thought, Who, you know, what is this? How can he have such great joy in the midst of all this suffering? It's because, you know, it's, it's, somehow, it's a blessing because we're falling after the same Christ who suffered in our place. We should have been there, but he suffered in our place. And we become like him even to the point of suffering. And, uh, but we know we are his We always know he's there and he never leaves us and he never forsakes us at any moment. And so I called my wife and I said, hey, ask ask these young people, why are they afraid? What, What fears might they have in sharing the gospel of Christ with their friends or family or neighbors? So she did that and I said, we'll talk about that when I come back. And uh, so when I came back, it was, it was things like, well, I, I'm afraid they might look down on me. I might lose some friends. Um, you know, it, I, I, I'm not sure how to, to, to share this. I'm, I'm a little afraid that I might stumble on my words and so forth. And uh, so these were the things. This is what we deal with, you know? I mean, and yet, here are these people that they know the gospel clearly, and they will Step out and even though it's against the law, if it's anything, they will continue to do and they will think of creative ways to do it. And here we are, we're we're so afraid and this is the this is the Lord of the universe, this is Jesus who did everything for us. Word, we multiply disciples by entrusting ourselves to faithful people. You know, the word entrust is a banking term meaning to invest. We invest in people who are faithful and who will also build and equip people to follow Jesus to do the same. Okay? So now, if I were to make a diagram, okay, you have Paul who actually was, was discipled by many others, other, you know, J- Jesus himself in the road to Damascus, boom, right, he says, who are you persecuting? You, you're persecuting me, right? And he has this Damascus experience, and he sees Jesus, and then he's being discipled several years before he does anything. And then he, okay, so Paul, and then Paul to many others, but also to Timothy, personally to Timothy. And then he says, Timothy, okay, now to faithful people. Okay, look for yourselves, faithful people, and disciple them. All right? So are we getting this? So faithful people. And then who will also be able to teach others. So now you got faithful people and now others. Right? And so the diagram would go, like this <laughs> that's your multiplication right there in a simple little verse we see this so here's here's the idea is you know each of us must understand who are the faithful people in our lives invest our lives into them until they are able to then make disciples of others. And it takes time, doesn't it? It's like it's life on life. Do people know how you live? Do, do people know how you live in your walk in your life? For those of you who are married, do they know what your marriage is like? Oh, that could be scary. <laughs> Maybe, maybe not. But you know what I mean? If they understand, so there's a lot of younger people today. I'm counseling. I, I have so many pre counseling um this summer. It's crazy. But um, they're looking for role models. And if we need to bring them along and 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 show, okay, come into my house. Let's have lunch together, let's have a picnic, let's go here or there. And and they see you interact. And they could they could see how how you do that? You know, again, you know, my wife is Brenda. Brenda and I, we we uh, we took a couple out. They were having troubles, and we asked them a question. We said, "Have you have you ever had modeled in your life at any point your you know parents or or, or people older than you that had a conflict and and they had some you know fissure like that? It was it was, it was pretty tough, but then they they kind of worked through it." Got on the other side, forgave each other and and grew closer from that had you ever seen that? no no they never saw that in, in their life and this is what we're dealing with today we don't and and it's getting worse I, I'm saying I, it's, it's getting like on our on internet right on our all of our Social media platforms, it's like boom, boom. Just like you're punching each other. Nobody knows how to work through a conflict. We have to just get off of that, and we need to begin to talk to one another. Talk to one another face-to-face, life-on-life. It's the only way they're going to learn from our lives. Born out by Jesus, what does this look like? What does it look like to have the joy of the Lord? What is it about, you know, why do you believe this way? Why do you believe in life? We've prayed about it this morning. Why do you, why are you, why are you pro-life? Why? Do you have answers for those things people want to know? Why? And when we have real answers for real life, for real people, I'm telling you, they need it today, and they need to hear it, and they want to hear it. And the other thing is the gospel itself, okay? I'm also a chaplain in Fairview Hospital in Hibbing, and so many, so often, I'm talking to people, and I'm... And I'm, I'm looking at their sheet. They, they had, some of them identify as Christian. Some just say unreligious or whatever. But I start talking to them, and they say, yeah, I believe in Jesus. I'm like, oh, great. You believe in Jesus. What do you believe about Jesus? Um, well, uh, Jesus died for my sins. I, I think Jesus died for our sins. I said, well, it's great. Well, why did Jesus die for our sins? Um. Why? You know, I'm not really sure. I mean, like, why did he, why did he have to come, you know, and then, like, bleed and, and get whipped and punished and put on a cruel cross and spikes through his hands and a crown of thorns on his head and, and, and die like that and suffocate one of the worst cruel things that you could ever do to die? On a Roman cross, most one of the most horrific things that you could ways you could die. Why? Why that? Why not? Why not just come to service, be a great teacher, wonderful thing, and then just whoop, go up to God and, and that's it? Why not? Why not that way? You know, there's ask that question. There's a lot of people who don't know the answer to this. We hear it: Jesus died for our sins. Yeah. What does it mean? we need to have some explanation, right? We need to go back to that Old Testament and say, hey, you know what? Well, there, in the Old Testament, there was high priests. And once a year, it's called the atonement, the day of atonement, sacrifice. And they would, they'd bring this spotless lamb and they'd bring it there and they'd slaughter that lamb and it was to deal with the sins of the people. But it's one year. Every year they had to do this. But was, it was not just that. It was pointing to something in the future. It was that Jesus would come. He would be the permanent, one-time sacrifice for all time. And John the Baptist, right? When, when, when uh, Jesus was coming down to the River Jordan, what did he say? Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Yeah, he does Because he's the perfect spotless lamb. He lived a perfect life. Yes, he taught everything. He taught us how to disciple. He's the perfect one then to take upon the sin upon himself but also give us his righteousness to clothe us with his righteousness so that we can have a right relationship with God. It's only through his grace and his power only Him. Oh, what good news. And then to raise again on the third day, which was power and victory over sin and death. And we could be like Him in that. It sends Him high to the right hand of the throne of God and gives us His Spirit to empower us for witness and strength for Him each day and joy And fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. And there is no law about this, right? Some I I tell people, well, you know, this is a great fruit, right? And say, yeah. Because, I mean, there's no law. People don't say, hey, stop being so gentle. Quit your being so self-controlled. I'm sick of that stuff. Right? It's great. He can do it all the time. Fruit of the Spirit. Where are we at? This is wonderful. Okay. Um, so who are you going to find for faithful people to go like that? I have a, the FAITH acronym. You know this? You just put F-A-I-T-H. I think that's how you spell it, right? Okay. Faithful. Available, intentional, teachable, humble. You could add hungry to that, right? You want to see the hunger, people for Jesus. Are they available? Are they they teachable? Do they want to be intentional about following Jesus? Yeah. Follow those, find those people. Bring them around you. Bring them in your life. Are you one of those? If you're not, that's being a disciple. We have to be a disciple before we can make disciples. And Paul often talks about being an imitator. In 1 Corinthians 4.15, For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. Whoa. Can we do that? This is why I've sent Timothy to you. He's my dearly loved and faithful child in the Lord. Says it again. He will remind you about my ways in Christ Jesus just as I teach everyone in every church. And so, who should we pa- be passing the baton on to this next generation, your spiritual generation, right? Think about that, who? And and I, I think about I recently had to, to uh, fix my brakes on my truck, and I had to have my son help me because he's much more mechanical than I am. And um, so it wasn't pretty, and so I, I needed help. So the idea is like, okay, uh, in my son's case, I do, you watch, okay? So I'm watching, taking part in this and the, you know, the, the wheel off. what well, you got to jack it up first. Okay, jack it up, take the wheel off, lug nuts, all that kind of stuff, and you know, a rotor hub and stuff. Anyway, so then I'm watching this and I'm kind of getting down there. Now it's it's like we do it together. We do it together. And then you do now, now I do, and so you say, okay, now you do it and I'll watch. All right. And then now you just do it. Now check in. Hey, how did that go? All right. Unless you do, and, I, and then you equip someone else. Now I got to teach somebody else how to, how to do breaks. It's probably a disaster, but I'm, I'm going to probably have to say that to somebody. But that's, that's the way it is with, with Jesus. Sometimes, you know, we don't always know, but we're thrust in a situation, and Jesus wants us to just like, boom, we have to go in, and we have to do it. We can't just talk about it all the time. We have to do it. And when we go in there and do it, God's power by His presence and His Spirit is going to help us, it's gonna help us along the way. We multiply together on mission. We do it together. We cannot do this alone. This is why we have a church. We encourage one another. And when, when you are in the throngs of things and you're, when you're reaching out to people in your sphere of influence, who do not know Jesus, we need to come back together, say, hey, how did that go? How did it go with Jim? You know, I, know, I, I knew, knew that he was kind of a little bit open about when you talk to him about Jesus, how was it today? And we can pray for one another and pray for those people. This isn't an individual thing's. Next 242 they devoted themselves to apostles' teaching to the fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer they invested in each other's lives encouraged one another build one another up so they could continue to go so what if we began to think in terms of multiplying disciples not just adding you know often we the, the bible says we know the Great Commission, right? Go and make disciples of all nations. Don't forget the all nations. And, and this is following Jesus daily in my life and investing in the lives of others. Go. And, and sometimes I'm afraid that we have we've kind of done it the other way. Come, come and listen. Be content. And just come in, you know, come into church, and then leaving your faith here, go out there, come back in church, get pumped up, leave, go there. you know, this is I don't know if you say, it, but this is like spiritual constipation. keeps coming in, coming in, coming in, but nothing's coming out. We got to keep it going out, right? probably won't forget that one. So, what a God of grace. He's given us, the Bible says, He's given us everything for life and godliness. Everything. He doesn't leave anybody behind. He's given us gifts for the church to edify and build up the church. He's given us everything that we need to do this, especially His Spirit. We need to go. And make disciples. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. God, you give us grace and you give us wisdom as we speak the gospel, as we live the gospel, as we build their lives into other faithful people who will also do the same so that we can multiply and and see a movement of Jesus-loving people that will expand the kingdom to the praise and the glory of your grace. We have the only hope of this world. I pray you may give us strength to do that. In the precious name of Jesus, amen.